Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Mm, but before you can beat my guest, you need to beat my guest. So let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Tucker Warner. Tucker, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, AJ. How are you? Uh, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Uh, this is not your first time in the hot seat, but just in case there are people out there who uh, haven't memorized your uh, CV, as it were, I wanted to give everyone a little uh, bit of information about yourself. What brings you here today? Hi, so I am a sports writer, trivia fiend, a few other things as well, but I like to focus on those two mostly for now because that's how you can read my work and also why you might wonder why I'm on a trivia podcast. Uh, So I have been on before. I have done the previous two Halloween-themed episodes. I'm excited to try my hand at the real game now uh, and branch out from the horror genre a little bit, although if there is a question or two about that in this game, I would certainly welcome it. Yeah, uh, hopefully uh, the results will not be nearly as terrifying <laughs> <laughs> going forward. You never know. Uh, the rules, uh, they're pretty much the same as uh, the Halloween episodes. Uh, there's going to be four rounds of four questions. In each round, I'll let you know the categories in order we'll be using for that round. Before we read each question, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right, you get the points. It is just that simple. And there'll also be a halftime bonus worth 10 points. At the end of the game, you'll feel what we call the confidence question. Your last chance to try to improve your final score. But I will explain all of that when we get there. We cannot get there, my friend, until we put our feet on the road and begin to ease on down. Enough preamble. Uh, Tucker, are you ready to go? Yes, I am. Excellent. Now, as you know, this season is our alphabet season. So every answer in today's game will begin with the same letter. And that letter is... G. G whiz. That sounds like a good idea. Uh, that could be the first name of a person, the last name of a person, both names of a person, first name of a title, somewhere in the title. Unless I say otherwise, the answer will have a word that starts with G in it. Understood? Yeah, I'm uh, just in case getting ready every single person I can think of whose initials are GG, and hopefully that'll come up somewhere along the lines. Point values in round one, as always, as usual, one, three, five, and seven. Here are the categories for round one today. Kicking it off with, say it with me, everybody, only in Florida. And we're going to follow that up with music. Move along to analogies, and we are going to wrap up round one with audio hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle, but first things first. Ah, the Sunshine State. One, three, five, or seven. Ooh, well, you've got a couple categories in here that could go one of several different ways. I haven't been as up to date with the weird news as I usually am, so I'll start off easy with one point on Only in Florida. One point for Only in Florida. Good luck. Let us see if we can uh, get into the positive very early on. Here is your one point. Only in Florida question. Lisa Buckley came home from work one Sunday in Gulfport, Florida and became furious with her neighbor, assaulting him with what New Orleans Saints decorated object? <laughs> oh, well, that could be anything. Uh, in the playoffs, it's normally a giant L, but I suppose that's probably Ooh, out of the question. Ouch. Yeah, Sorry, Panthers fan, have to take my shots at the uh, NFC South rivals whenever I can. Um, I don't necessarily remember hearing about this story. It does seem vaguely familiar. Um, I also like these questions for the Only in Florida because it seems like it's a match game question. <laughs> it really does. Could really go any direction on this and maybe give a Richard Dawson answer here. Saints themed what? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling like Dumb Dora over here. Um, there's a lot of different things that have the NFL branding these days. Uh, you've got team flags, jerseys, uh, Bud Light beer cans. You've got a lot of different options here, which means that this isn't necessarily easy to whittle down the list at all. Um, oh, you know what? I believe I did hear about this story now. I think this was a garden gnome. I'll say garden gnome. A garden gnome is your answer. A wonderful double G guess from you. Uh, so yeah, Lisa Buckley uh, came home from work and uh, immediately, you know, I, you know, I don't know what she does, you know, eight hour day. Maybe it was a double shift. It was a Sunday. I can only imagine that there was a football game on and a uh, fan of the New Orleans Saints. And I, I guess there was a game going on and uh, the neighbor was taunting a little bit. So she picked up her... Uh, her little New Orleans Saints decorated object and started beating him about the head with it. <laughs> Ran away. And then uh, when the cops came, she was not there. Uh, but while she was uh, while she was hiding and on the lamb, as it were, she texted her neighbor and said, please don't press charges. Please don't press charges. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it did not work because she had assaulted him with, for one point, a garden gnome. Well done, All right. <laughs> that whole story is really a good reminder to uh, never tell your Saints fan neighbor that uh, Eli is better than Archie. Because that does so, not go over well. Yeah. Cleaning up the blood from that assault will not be a breeze. But uh, two, three, four. But uh, let us move on uh, to music. You have the three, you have the five, you have the seven. Oh, uh, let's try the seven on music. If it's something in my wheelhouse, I should be able to come up with the answer here. Good luck. Here is your seven point music question. In 1978, Steve Hackett decided to leave what group to embark on a solo career? forcing the band to become a trio just before the release of their ninth album, aptly named, and then there were three. Hmm. Talking about a band, Steve Hackett, who had already put out eight albums by 1978. Um, it's a guy who left to have a solo career. Seemingly narrows it down to a couple genres, but I don't know if I have one in my head just yet. So I'll think of 70s bands that start with G. Unfortunately, the only things I'm coming up with are either 70s bands that start with other letters or <laughs> uh, more recent bands who would not have put out that many albums by 1978. And then there were three. So there were a quartet before then. And I assume that their popularity was more before the release of this album than afterward. That's not necessarily right. I am regretting putting seven points on this question. <laughs> okay, I think I have a guess. I believe this is a band that had been around for a while at that point. It seems like it would be a long... It's, it seems like it would fit most of the clues. Uh, I don't know if everything lines up, but my guess for this would be Grand Funk... With or without the railroad. Grand Funk, with or without the railroad. <laughs> Funnily enough, I was all prepared to uh, offer up Grand Funk Railroad as my fake answer. <laughs> you oh, no. answer anything else. You'll notice, uh, those of you at home obviously can't notice because you can't see me right now, but uh, perhaps, Tucker, you'll notice the positioning of my hands uh, right here because <laughs> the answer happens to be right here on the wall behind me. Uh, <laughs> I covered it up here. Yeah, uh, the trio in question were Tony Banks, Mike Rutherford, Phil Collins, uh, and they uh, released a little album called And Then There Were Three with their one of their biggest hits to the to date, uh, Follow You, Follow Me, was on this album. This little band called Genesis. That's right. I always think they were more recent than they actually were because Collins' popularity was more in the 80s. Yeah, that's what I get for never really listening to Genesis. Yeah, well... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I scold you. I scold you. Genesis is my favorite band. So, um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Peter Gabriel had uh, left already. Steve Hackett left. Uh, did pretty successfully uh, in his own right. Uh, you know, moderate success. I mean, never any hits or anything, but he sold a lot of albums. You know, the hits started to come at that point because uh, before then they were kind of this performance art uh, epic story albums although i really enjoy uh i really enjoy some of the older stuff more than the newer stuff quite frankly but we can't all sit there for a six song track uh on an album called trespass and you know <laughs> and i never have so maybe i'll try it out and let you know whether i made it anyway that's neither here nor there i cannot give <laughs> points you know this is this is where the rage ring comes in you you got one yeah. out of two and unfortunately uh you got the one and missed the seven but there's still two questions left <laughs> plenty more after that three or five for analogies um, I normally do a little better on the audio hodgepodge category, so I will try the three on analogies. Very good. Three points. Analogies. Good luck. And here is your question. Wilder is to Plum Creek as Montgomery is to what? All right. So at first you had me thinking with Wilder that this was going to be about uh, classic movie directors, but I don't really remember a director named Montgomery. And then you had me thinking that this is maybe literary locations, and there's definitely a famous author from the 1800s or so named Laura Ingalls Wilder, and there is definitely a literary location named Green Gables, which starts with two Gs, and I'm going to hope that that was written by somebody named Montgomery, so I'll say Green Gables. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, they say sometimes uh, a, a little knowledge can... Uh can go a long way sometimes they say a little a lot of knowledge can kill you uh so yeah let's see where we are here uh so yeah wilder could be gene wilder could be thornton wilder you you never know Mm -hmm. who the wilder is here as it turns out this is indeed uh, laura ingles wilder who uh most people know as the little house on the prairie author and uh, it was actually a series of books and one of the books in the series was called on the banks of plum creek yeah is near i got the near, first part at least so yeah uh we were looking for uh the analogy here would be something written by uh someone named montgomery uh part of a literary series with uh you know 50 of this location talking lucy maud montgomery and we are talking about that nova scotia classic and of green gables green gables is correct well done sir all right, thank you. I think the only reason I came up with it was because there was a little bit of controversy recently with the TV series they made out of it that was more dark and gritty than the Anne of Green Gables books were ever supposed to be. So uh, I'd like yeah. to thank that really bad idea for a TV show. <laughs> you know, I, I watched Little House on the Prairie because it was, you know, we had we had three channels and it was on, you know. <laughs> uh, so I did watch it growing up. Uh, I was never into the Avonlea uh, kind of thing although megan follows made a very cute uh, cute Anne of green gables i remember that much but that's about it uh-huh. <laughs> what do you want i was a teenage boy anyway <laughs> we're gonna get on here uh one question left in round one audio hodgepodge here's how that's going to work it's going to be worth five points to you for that's all that's left you i am going to ask you a question when i'm done asking you the question i'm going to play you a little clip when you're done listening to the clip the idea is that you will have the correct answer to said question and here said question B, sir. What is the name of this song, which was performed publicly for the first time at a concert in Seoul? Alanga 
Okay, so I do recognize this song thanks to the clip as at least um, East Asian region of the world, uh, which makes sense given that it was first performed in Seoul. Um, I do know of two major musicians that have come from Seoul in this past decade, and this is definitely a song from within the past decade. Uh, at least I would think. Maybe they had a little more advanced electronic music than we did over in America, but um, I'm thinking this is pretty recent. The two that I can think of are Psy or K-pop group BTS. Uh, now, unfortunately, I could not tell you any songs by the boy band BTS, um, but I can tell you that Psy has a song called Gangnam Style, and even though that doesn't sound like Gangnam Style exactly, uh, it's possible that maybe the early demo versions had a very different version. Um, and since I really don't have anything else from Korea that I could even name, I'm going to go with Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style is your answer. Yeah, the uh, BTS, that K-pop sensation, of course, uh, I never can remember their name. I always call end up calling them BTK, which is something completely yeah. different. <laughs> <laughs> Once they start sending floppy disks to uh, the police, then you know maybe they can earn that name too. Yeah, in- indeed, and and yeah, and their zodiac is all different. So the whole yeah. <laughs> true crime. A- anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, clearly, Seoul was a hint that this was probably going to be a Korean artist. Uh, you listen to it; it definitely. It's it's in Korean, so definitely, uh, even if you can't speak Korean, I think you can recognize it as being Korean. Uh, you are correct. This is from that artist Psy. However, this is not Whoopak Gangnam style. That was the the little bait there because it does begin with the letter G. It's called Gentleman. It is his follow-up hit, which reached as high as number five on the U.S. charts, and it is Mo the Father Gentleman. Gentleman right. is the answer. Uh, remembered a little too late, sir. Now, I wouldn't have come up with it during the actual question itself. I think uh, as soon as I knew it was wrong, I was like, oh, right, he has another song. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I was actually surprised it got as high as it did because uh, it's really not very good. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, I like Gagnum style quite a bit, but, you know, this is uh, not the same. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, you know, for those of you who are fans of the genius, yes, Hong Chul does make another appearance in uh, the video for Gentlemen, although not as big as the one that he had in uh, Gagnum style. That's right. I just made a reference to Hong Chul. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the only podcast where you'll hear that. Uh, that Well, Dumb and Colin, but other than that, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is the end of round one. Four points out of a possible 16. Uh, again, it all comes down to wagering, but uh, still, a four is better than zero, and plenty of game is left. How are you feeling after your first real round? Boo! Uh, I'm feeling like I should have placed my points in a bit of a different location here. I'm as inefficient as you could possibly be uh, with the amount of correct answers I have, so hopefully I'll be a little uh, smarter <laughs> next round. Uh, we shall see how smart yeah. you can be. <laughs> no guarantee. No guarantee. <laughs> Round two, gentlemen. Round yeah. two, the point values available to you are two, four, six, and eight. Here are the categories we're going to be using in today's round two, kicking things off with Fungo, moving along to literature, following that up with Potpourri, and we are going to wrap up round two and the first half with history. First things first is Fungo, two, four, six, or eight. <sighs> Well, this round is not going to be many of my strong categories, uh, which means that there's going to be a round coming up where I'm going to have to put 
a low amount of points on a strong category for me, and that's not what I was looking for going in. Um, I've done okay with Fungo so far when you ask the questions, so because there are three different ways that I could get the right answer here, I will put all eight points on Fungo. Bold, bold yeah. eight points on the Fungo. But yes, indeed, three chances. That is that is what Fungo is. Three separate clues, each pointing to the same single answer for eight points. Good luck. Here is your Fungo question. Clue number one. At the time of her disappearance, this fictional character was tabbed to play Cleopatra on Broadway. Clue number two. When mixed with cinnamon, this can be used as a topical ointment to battle certain forms of arthritis. Clue number three. Alter ego of Geraldine Estelle Horner. So we've got a fictional character who disappeared before playing Cleopatra on Broadway. We've got something that could mix with cinnamon to create some sort of ointment. And you said alter ego, not fake name or stage name or anything like that, which seems like a pretty big hint. And uh, once again, because normally I can grab these from one of the three clues, uh, I'm regretting the eight points on the fungo. <laughs> um, let's see. I know that enough of these sound familiar. Geraldine Estelle Horner definitely sounds familiar. And a fictional character disappeared uh, also should be up my alley, especially for something in the theater realm, I suppose. Now, let's see. There is... Talking about a fictional character who disappeared, because it's the G episode, my mind does go straight to Gone Girl. I don't remember... Well, in the book and the movie, she was not a Broadway actress, but Rosamund Pike did have theater roles. Um, trying to see if I can tie that into some of the other stuff somehow. That Clue number two is really throwing me off. So it's got to be something that relates to the others. Uh, at least like some overlap in names between objects and uh, people's names. Um, so maybe, hmm, maybe the alter ego of Geraldine Estelle Horner is something from classic television. Maybe the thing that you're mixing with cinnamon is a specific type of plant. And I don't really know what the first one is right now, but I'm going to go and say ginger. All right. Ginger is your answer. You don't seem certain about yourself by any stretch of the I am not. <laughs> it's the best I could come up with. Well, Geraldine Estelle Horner, better known by her nickname Jerry and Hallowell, is uh, one of the Spice Girls. Yeah. Her okay. name is Ginger Spice. That's where I've heard it. Okay. Phew. Indeed. Uh, somehow you backed into the other answer. At the time of her disappearance, this fictional character was tapped to play Cleopatra in a Broadway play called Pyramid for Two. Of course, uh, her three-hour tour went a lot longer than expected. So it was Gin Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Ginger Grant. Yep. Love with it. <laughs> right answer, wrong part, but that yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> And yes, uh, when mixed with cinnamon, uh, the ginger root can be used as a topical ointment to battle certain forms of arthritis. Ginger is the answer. 
they don't ask how uh, perfect your uh, reasoning was, just if you got yeah. the right answer, and answer right, you did. Well this done. This is a math test um, to arrive at the right answer. Oh, I'm right sorry. This is Common Core beat my guest. You yeah, don't yeah. get the points. <laughs> and nobody knows how to come up with the right answer anymore. Oh, uh, uh, wow. Yeah. Um, Okay, I'm feeling pretty lucky right about now. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, rather be lucky than good, right? Here we go. Yeah, Let's keep yeah. this ball rolling here. Uh, an eight-pointer under our belt, which leaves us two, four, or six for literature. See, if this stays within something I know, it could be easy, and the other two are very, very hit or miss for me. I'll say six on literature. Six points for literature. Good luck. Here we go. Who is the author of The Destructors? A short story about a gang completely dismantling a bank manager's mansion. Okay, well, you withheld the genre of it, which means that I could go several different ways, and that would have been a pretty big clue, so I'm disappointed I don't have it. Short stories, not really my area of expertise, at least in the modern era. Um, read some from early 20th century, but it doesn't really sound like that's the time period it's from. Who writes short stories? Because I mentioned Gone Girl when trying to figure out my last answer, the name that keeps popping up is Gillian Flynn, but I don't know if she's written short stories, and that doesn't entirely sound like something that she would do, so I've got to keep thinking, but that's the, the, the wrong answer that keeps popping up in my head right now. I'm hoping there's another in somewhere along the lines that I'm just trying to suss out. Wow, I really... I'm struggling to come up with something plausible for this, which is really uh, <laughs> frustrating. Um, there's maybe another prominent author right now whose name starts with G. You know, I'm not coming up with anything all that recent. Because of the theme, I know there's a couple of famous authors with this last name. I'll say just the last name. Hope for the best. I will say Gibson. Gibson. Hoping to uh, backdoor... This answer with a uh, Lucky Johnson esque yeah. <laughs> reply here. <laughs> exactly, um, and I, you know, there's one or two famous authors with that last name. Hoping maybe I'm on the right track. Sure, sure, of course. We we all know uh, that you can uh, learn all about the interwebs from uh, William Gibson. And, yeah. Uh, certainly uh, from Criminal Minds with Thomas Gibson. Oh wait, that's an actor. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, not the correct poll here. Uh, we're talking about an author who was in competition for uh, the Nobel Prize for Literature on several occasions, wrote screenplays, wrote plays, wrote travel books, wrote uh, autobiography, wrote novels, wrote short stories, free verse. This guy wrote everything, taught in a lot of high schools. This particular story, The Destructors, uh, is... One of the, uh, not main plot elements, but it's certainly uh, featured in uh, my favorite movie, Donnie Darko, uh, and is attempted to be banned from the school uh, because it encourages violence on property, and the PTA was not having that. Uh, yeah, this is a bizarre nihilist tale of class differences where the uh, the working class sees the bank manager as rich and uh, uh, goes into the house and starts to destroy it piece by piece. And even when they find a mattress full of money, they decide to burn it rather than take it, uh, lest they become uh, part of the uh, problem and not the cure. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but like I said, it's a nihilist story. Uh, and men just want to see the world burn. Exactly. That's my best Michael Caine impression. It's not good. Oh, yeah, it's not very good, chap. But, you know, it's all right. <laughs> not going to be an ever film like I am. Uh, the answer is Graham Greene. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, can't say I've read any of his novels. I've seen Dances with Wolves. He's in that. Um, I, thought per- I thought perhaps <laughs> you were going to uh, backdoor it when you were, because well, a lot of people, because there are a lot of people yeah. whose, whose names are green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, there yeah, a couple G last names to think of. Um, I guess I'll have to reuse Gibson later on when I don't know another answer. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I guess the fault was with you and not in our stars. But uh, we're going <laughs> to move along now to Potpourri. Two and four are what has left you, the two lowest scoring questions, but you can still get them right and add to your score. Two or four for Potpourri. I'm going to try four on Potpourri. Good luck, and here is your question. This French company was founded in 1904 when its creator got the first ever patent for a hair lotion made from plants. What is this company? This has got to be something in the cosmetic or beauty industry here, uh, something I have very, very little experience with. Um, AJ, you can see my face. You can attest to that. Um, <laughs> maybe shampoo still is that thing. Maybe soap. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, as you can tell, this is clearly one of my uh, areas of expertise here. You can tell because I'm coming up with so many possible answers and I'm just struggling to pick which one is the right one. Uh, I'm trying to save face. I have just about nothing right now. French company. That... Should be a hint uh, to somebody who knows things about this subject. Uh, For me, it is a matter of, oh, hey, one more obstacle. Uh, So that's fine. I'll say something that sounds French and just hope for the best here. Um, Glaubeurs. It's probably a made-up nonsense word, but I'm really not coming up with anything and I wanted to speed this one up and get to one I might know. <laughs> Glowbears. Sounds yeah. like a uh, glow-in-the-dark eggplant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I'm not going to uh, hold you in suspense. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it. I was right. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, it's everyone's favorite uh, Coco Chanel Glowberge. Uh, no. yeah. <laughs> uh, so this, uh, there are TV commercials about this product uh, mm-hmm. still running uh, today. Uh, it is uh, for one of their fruit-based products called Fructis, perhaps you have heard of. Damn it. Uh, and the uh, man who uh, founded this company was Alfred Amour Garnier. Garnier is the answer. Yeah, and I, those commercials were on constantly on the channels I watched when I was a teenager. So I, I should have known that, but all I was coming up with was like L'Oreal and Suave, and I never really got to... Uh, the one that specializes in women's shampoos rather than having a men's option. So, at least as far as I know, I don't know. I don't use their shampoo. Well, it's yeah. strong enough for a man, but made for a woman. Oh, oh wait, that's yeah. <laughs> something else. Anyway, <laughs> let us put that in the past. Yeah. History. Oh, wait, that's the past, too. Uh, you can't hey. win, man. <laughs> anyway, two points for history is all that is left in this half. Are you ready for your two-point history question? Go on to that two-point history question. In March of 1847, what man died en route to California, most likely due to gangrene, though perhaps it was dysentery? It most certainly was not in any way, shape, or form due to cannibalism. Oh, man. The cannibalism has me going a couple ways. I know that there's a famous cannibalism thing with the Donner Party, and maybe someone, maybe it was George Donner? I don't know that for sure. Possibly dysentery has me thinking of the Oregon Trail, but 
I don't think that's an in there. I think that was just a common disease. Any way, shape, or form due to cannibal. That really should be a bigger hint for me than it is. Late 1840s, en route to California, where he was not eaten by another human. Um, let's see what One I might argue that about. most deaths were not as a result of cannibalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, but for the most part, you don't have to say that. So I'm aware that's a hint. It's just a matter of what the hint is. So is it a misconception? Is it a just a hint towards his name with some other tie in there? So I think this person's name is definitely going to sound familiar to me at some point upon hearing the answer. Right now, I am really far off from what I think might be right. Coming up with very little once again for this one, um, because I know there's some relation to the idea of cannibalism here, uh, and because I never really looked into the story to know whether or not it's a misconception or if that's really what happened. Um, and I also have no idea what time frame it took place in. Um, I'm going to guess this is from that Donner Party incident. And without knowing anybody's first name, I will just say Donner and hope there's a George or a Gary or something along those lines. So we'll say Donner because I've got absolutely nothing else right now. Well, this is the G episode, so I am going to need you to be more specific. Let's say oh, Gary seems out of place that early. Let's say George. George Donner. So basically, you uh, started throwing that out as a random stab in the dark and danced around for about 15 minutes and came right back to it. So Yeah, uh, <laughs> really roundabout way of figuring out my guesses here. Indeed. So uh, this refers to, of course, the dysentery uh, in there is pretty much a nod to the Oregon Trail. This is actually uh, the Oregon Trail. This is, uh, you know, parties of uh, families, uh, large groups uh, of people would gather together and embark uh, on the Oregon Trail journey, uh, you know, stopping along the way, uh, most of them, with uh, California as their final destination. And this man died, and, uh, you know, record-keeping being what, what it was at the time, they're not entirely sure how he died, but they're pretty sure it was gangrene. However, uh, after his death, the rest of his family and uh, the rest of uh, the group traveling uh, continued on their way, got caught in a severe storm, uh, were stranded, and were, were lost for uh, quite some time before anyone could get to rescue them. And that's where the stories of cannibalism creep in. We are indeed talking the Donner Party. Yeah, the patriarch of the Donner Party was George. Well done, two points. Okay, phew. Um, so this my first instinct was right there, which is a nice change of pace for me. Um, I'll be sure to <laughs> knock that down as luck and uh, not repeat that in the future. <laughs> uh, I was, I, you know, you said it like first dig and then you started talking like, oh gosh, he's going away from it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you took as long a trip as the Oregon Trail itself to get yeah. back to it, but thankfully yeah. you, you did arrive safely and uh, no need to... Uh, feel bad for yourself or to, you know, take a chunk out of your own arm or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> 10 points that round. Going to add oh. that to the four you had going into round two, which gives you a very healthy 14 points as we come to halftime. Our only partial credit question of the game. Here's how it's going to work. I'm going to ask Tucker a question. When I'm done asking the question, I'm going to give him a little bit of time to think about his uh, possible answers to said question. And uh, after we pause for a little break, we'll come back and find out what he has to say. To the following question, here we go. Since 1943, the Golden Globes has awarded a Best Motion Picture trophy. 
splitting the honor between drama and comedy musicals since 1951. For two points each, Tucker, I'd like you to name for me any five drama films to win this category that had a G word in its title. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about your answers to this question, and we'll be back after the break. If you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron, just like Christopher, Muffy, Andy, and many others who have joined since the start of the season. Check out patreon.com slash beatmyguest for details. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Tucker Warner. When we last left Tucker, he was sitting on 14 points, working on the following halftime bonus question. Since 1943... There's been a little thing called the Golden Globes, and it has named a best motion picture in each one of those years, splitting the honor between drama and comedy musical since 1951. Uh, For two points each, I have asked Tucker to name for me any five drama films to have won this category. As long as it contains a G word in its title, it can be considered correct. Tucker, when you are ready, please let me know what you've got. Okay, so I have a list of nine possibilities here uh and i'm just going to choose the five that i think are the most likely from them um so i'm going to start with two that i think were pretty obvious winners at least because they won best picture two uh the godfather and the godfather part two i'm also going to choose another best picture winner in gandhi it's one that i'm fairly confident about and then two others that won the Oscar for Best Picture that might or might not have won the Golden Globe for uh, Best Dramatic Picture. Uh, one would be Gladiator, and the other, which I'm not very confident about because it very easily could have been classified as a comedy, but I will say Forrest Gump as my five. So those are your answers, Tucker. Let us see how you did. I think I am going to start uh, way in the past and work my way forward. All the way back in 1944, we had our first uh, a drama win the award. A little film called Going My Way. Uh, yep, that made my short list. I probably should have said that. Yeah, multi- multiple genres there. So mm-hmm. uh, they were, Again, since they didn't have to categorize, they kind of didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in 1947... A film oh. called Gentleman's Agreement. Oh, okay. 1952, we have now uh, had the divide between drama and comedy musical. So anything that won the drama award, well, it's a drama. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, this was a little thing about uh, the circus. Greatest show on earth. Greatest show on earth. Absolutely. In 1961, war film called The Guns of Navarone. Oh, huh. Interesting. Okay. In 1972, uh, I guess they uh, made him a trophy he couldn't refuse. (laughs) The Godfather, two points. Well done for you. Uh, You might be surprised to learn that uh, part two did not win the Golden Globe. That is a bit of a surprise. (laughs) Uh, The next drama was not until 1981, uh, when a little film uh, starring the Fonda family on Golden Globe. Oh, yeah. Gandhi did not win... Best Picture in 1983 because it had partial uh, subtitles for being uh, spoken with the Indian language, and so it was considered a foreign language <laughs> film. 
it never did. underestimate how weird the Hollywood foreign press is. Yeah, just, they uh, did. <laughs> it did win Best Picture, but Best Picture Foreign Language and not the regular Best Picture Incredible. Award. Go figure. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't uh, whatever. Uh, Nineteen ninety four is our next one. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was a drama. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure there, there's you know, drama can have humorous elements in it. Uh, I never liked this film, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, you can have as many shrimps as you want. Forrest Gump yeah. is correct. Two more points for you. I'm happy you said you don't like it either. It's Ready Player One, but for boomers. Oh, don't get me started on Ready Player One. Yeah. Please, <laughs> please. Uh, in the year 2000, Elizabeth Taylor, why don't you tell us who won the Golden Globe? Elizabeth. Gladiator is the correct answer. And it's the final correct answer. Those yeah. are the eight films. You got three of them. Six points for you. Well done. I'm going to add those six points to the 14 you had coming into halftime. And we're entering the second half with 20 beautiful, one might say, golden points. Well done. Oh, thank you. Uh, I was hoping to pick up a couple more, but Golden Globes, man, those are those are bizarre. And they're hard to memorize. It, yeah, it, you know, if there happens to be a British actress in it, they, they win, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there's, you know, if uh, Julie Pinoche or Catherine Deneuve did anything, they win, you know? It's, yeah, it's definitely... TV uh, awards go to movie stars every year. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but, uh, hey, such is the Hollywood foreign press. <laughs> At least you can drink, and uh, I yep. guess, you know... <laughs> Sometimes you need it. Uh, round three. <laughs> Let's see if you can drink some points uh, into your uh, gullet here. Point values. Stay the same at 2, 4, 6, and 8. However, the categories, they'll be a changing. This is what they'll be a changing to. We're going to kick things off with Around the World. Follow it up with television. Move along to what comes next and wrap up round three with movies. Around the World is first. 2, 4, 6, or 8. Uh, let's see. You know, I'm pretty strong in the other three categories. So even though in uh, the second round, I would have given this more points, I'll say two on Around the World. Two points Around the World. Good luck. Here is your question. Since 1974, a United Nations Observer Force has supervised the buffer zone between Syria and what Israeli-occupied region of the Middle East? Well, I... Gaza Strip immediately comes to mind. I'm just wondering if that's maybe a little too obvious. So I'm trying to think out if there's another an potential answer there. But you know, I don't. I don't know the Middle East that well. I'll, I'm not going to overthink it based on my own knowledge. I will say the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip is your answer. Uh, of course, everyone knows the Gaza Strip as a disputed area. In the Middle East, unfortunately, it is not the one we are talking about. Uh, Gaza Strip, more of an Egypt-Israel thing uh, than a Syria-Israel uh, thing. Uh, this was a territory that was taken over in 1967 at the end of the Six-Day War. And uh, in 1981, Israel decided, uh, heck, it's been 14 years. It's ours. Deal with it. Uh, you know. Uh, Syria hasn't really accepted that so much, but there's a little buffer zone in there, and the United Nations kind of just keeps uh, keeps the peace, as it were. If you can call anything in the Middle East peace, really, Middle East is just there to award American presidents with peace prizes every 15 years or so, <laughs> it seems. Uh, unfortunately, uh, maybe one day, maybe one day. This is an area known as the Golan Heights. 
Oh, okay. Um, I, I've heard that phrase before. Uh, I did not know what it was in reference to, so uh, I'm happy to drop those two points only and chalk it up as learning something new today. We do try to educate as well as entertain. Yeah. Hey, we're not going to entertain about <laughs> Middle East land disputes. So uh, educate. Yeah, that, that was educate. Uh, let us quickly move along to uh, television for six or eight points. See, the problem with your television category... Oh, here we go. Go ahead. No, go ahead. (laughs) This is normally one of my strong suits, but it is very Gen X, and I am not a member of Gen X. So a lot of this stuff was not really like common or popular during uh, the time when I was watching TV. Nonetheless, I'm going to say six. There are at least good questions. I just don't know the answer. Well, whose fault is that? (laughs) Oh, it's mine for not being born 10 years earlier. Yeah, the guy, the guy was, was, oh, it was on my list. It's a film from 1940, but I'm Gen X. It's a lot easier to devote an hour and a half to a movie than 10 hours of a TV show. Well, (laughs) mister, let's see how you do with your six-point television question. I'm no longer rooting for you. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to get it wrong after all this anyway. Hal Linden. Guest starred on a 1991 episode of a sitcom, playing a now much older former prom date who had been sent packing prior to the dance. Eleven years later, he had an uncredited cameo on a dramedy, where, playing a distinguished stranger, he got to have a dance with the family matriarch. To get your points, name both shows. Okay, a sitcom from 1991, a dramedy from 2002... Hal Linden cameo appearances. So I guess the first question is, have you heard of Hal Linden? He's Barney Miller, right? All right, fine, fine. <laughs> You've heard of Hal Linden, good. I have the first season on DVD. I was hoping I wouldn't uh, get that one wrong. <laughs> All right, I've been thinking this over, and I know that there's multiple different ways that this could go, but there is a sort of thematic similarity to two titles that fit in vaguely to these ideas. The plots would seem to make sense. The issue is whether the 1991 sitcom is the original or the spinoff. And that's what's throwing me. So I'll say the 2002 dramedy is uh, Gilmore Girls. And 1991 sitcom is either the Golden Girls or the Golden Palace. And you are devious enough to have it be the spinoff rather than the original. I just don't know what years... The respective shows were on, but I've got to flip a coin here. Um, I'll go with my gut. I will say the Golden Girls and the Gilmore Girls. The Golden Girls and Gilmore Girls. No the. No the. I'm not going to penalize you if you if you said the. Yeah, but, <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that cruel. Um, <laughs> I didn't tell you were cruel. I said you were devious. There's a difference. <laughs> so yeah, are these late enough shows for you. Uh, <laughs> So on Gilmore Girls, uh, Hal Linden is uh, someone who uh, decides to uh, have a little dance with Emily Gilmore as she's having a little uh, poopy head time, which, you know, she was prone to do. Mm-hmm. Usually, uh, you know, oh, how could you? How could you, Lorelai, do that sort of thing? <laughs> oh, a strange, I'll dance. Yeah. Man, I it's, love that show. Such a Gilmore thing to do. Uh, so Gilmore Girls is the correct answer there. And he got to dance, unlike what he had done uh, many, many years ago when certain mother uh, sent him packing and didn't even allow him to uh, take her daughter to the dance. 
also sounds like something that would have happened on Gilmore Girls. It was, however, something that happened when Sophia did it to Dorothy on Golden Girls. Well done, six points. So, yeah, um, happy to have gotten that one and made the right choice on the coin flip, too. And thank you for including a show from when I was alive. Well, you never know what comes next, but I know what comes next. What comes next comes next. So all I need to know from you is what comes next, four or eight. Uh, Well, movies is a really strong category for me. Um, So I'm going to save the eight for that and leave the four for this. Um, Though I do watch only Connect, so I'm at least used to the style here. Well done. Well done indeed. Yes, that's my Victoria Corn impersonation. I have a Victoria Corn impersonation. Jesus. (laughs) What is wrong with me? Anyway, here is your what comes next. It's a lifestyle, actually. It's a lifestyle. Well played. Well played indeed. Let's see what our devious bartenders have up for us next. (laughs) Brick. Lumber. Wool. What? Brick, lumber, wool. What? Ooh, man. Um, this could be so many different things. And I don't know if I know the sequence just yet. It's probably chronological in some order. I don't know which direction. I don't know if it's reverse chronological. Um, and I don't know exactly what it's for. I'm thinking maybe, well, it might be along the lines of uh, when you develop certain artifacts and maybe a historical game or like a fairy tale thing, maybe. Um, it's somewhat along the same lines. If I saw these four things grouped together in some way, it wouldn't necessarily shock me. I will say grass. I have no grass. reason for saying that. <laughs> Don't ask grass me what the sequence is. For no reason. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sir. Why do you have that grass in your pocket? No reason. Yeah, that's a great answer. Uh- <laughs> it's the classic pretender song, Grass in Pocket. Indeed, ding, 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 ding. You got it. A wrong answer. Gonna make you, make you. Anyway, Tucker, 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 Tucker. You said is this might be some sort of game or historical game. This is the four resources needed to build a settlement in a little game called Settlers of Catan. Yep. There are five resources. Or is one of them. We don't need the ore. We need a brick, we need a lumber, we need a wool, and we need a grain. Grain, okay. I have never played that game. Um, I've definitely heard of it many, many times. I probably should have played it by now, uh, and now it comes back to bite me. Indeed, uh, but please, don't die of cannibalism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or the gangrene. I mean, get 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 all the cuts and scrapes and abrasions looked at as best you can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I... I don't want you to overuse antibiotics because then the super bugs come and get us. But, you know, gangrene, sure. Let's, let's treat it. Set and forget it. Anyway, eight points. Movies. Are you ready, sir? Yes. Yes, I can do this one. Good luck. Here is your question. Answer the call is, unbeknownst to most fans and detractors of this movie alike, actually part of its official title. It appears on screen only during the Ed credits at the request of Paul Feig. What movie am I talking about? Uh, I think this is the tagline for the original two, at least one of them. Uh, This is the 2016 Ghostbusters. The 2016 Ghostbusters. You answered that so quickly as if you were confident and knew the answer. Uh, Well, it might be 2015. I don't remember the year exactly. The Ghostbusters (laughs) remake with the uh, women of SNL. Fair enough. Yeah, the... 
thing about movies is that if you have two movies with the same name, then you have trouble uh, listing them on streaming services without them getting very irate at you. And therefore, you <laughs> must uh, try and differentiate them in some way. And as a result, Ghostbusters is actually Ghostbusters Answer the Call because there was already a Ghostbusters. We're talking about the 2016 version with the SNL ladies and Melissa McCarthy. Uh, <laughs> I guess she technically hosts enough that she could be considered a yeah. SNL lady herself. It's like this uh, generation, Steve Martin. Sure, sure. We'll go with that. In some we'll ways. go with that. <laughs> She's a wild and crazy gal. Mm -hmm. uh, Ghostbusters is correct. Eight points. Well done. Yeah, um, I, I like that uh, theory that um, you can't have two movies with the same title, which led to Sabin's Power Rangers the same year, even though nobody knew who that Sabin was and everyone thought the Alabama football coach was involved somehow. Uh, well done. Uh, see, this is how you do it. You get two questions, but they're the highest scoring questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, well learned. <laughs> 14 points out of possible uh, 20. We're going to add those 14 to the 20 head coming into round three. 34 points as we head into the highest scoring round of the game, round four. Tucker, I bet you're feeling pretty, pretty good right now. I'm feeling a lot better than I was uh, before I got two uh, high value questions, right? So let's keep that momentum going because momentum exists in sports, you know. Well, sure, it does. Uh, <laughs> speaking of sports, here are uh, the categories we're going to be using for this round. Remember, point values are going to increase to three, five, seven, and nine. Kicking things off with. Sports! Surprise! Uh, then we're going to move along to Mashup, followed up with Who Done It, and we're going to wrap up the second half and round four with Science. But first things first, sports, three, five, seven, or nine. Um, See, this is where you start saying, well, normally we're sports, but hey, Jimmy, you're <laughs> sports. <laughs> I was trying to figure out my others ahead of time, too, because that always uh, threw me off beforehand. Uh, yeah, we're going to start with nine for sports, and I think we're just going to go into sending values for the rest of the round. All right. Well, you, I don't, you don't have to be held to that if you decide to change your mind, but yeah. nine point for sports. Good luck. Here is your question. Starting out his professional career as a member of the Virginia Squires, what athlete ended up finishing his career playing alongside Michael Jordan? Oh, man. Well, <laughs> for the longest time, I've been assuming the sports question was going to be George Gervin. However, Artis Gilmore also played in the ABA and was a member of the Chicago Bulls. So now you've got me thinking, because I'm pretty sure George Gervin spent all of his NBA career with the Spurs. Oh, man, this is a bad 50-50 for me because I know I'm just going to choose the wrong one and outsmart myself. And I have good reasons for choosing both, too. Shoot. Uh, so you didn't say a year for the start of his career, which takes away a potential hint for me. Now, I don't know if artists lasted until 1984. Pretty confident Gervin did. Uh, but did Gervin play for the Bulls? And alongside Michael Jordan doesn't even necessarily guarantee that he was there. Um, Dick Gervin play in the ABA. I should really, as a Virginia native, I really should have some knowledge of the Squires, but it's the one professional team our state's ever had, and my knowledge of them is next to zero. No matter which one I say, it's going to be wrong, and you are going to admonish me. <laughs> I know you love your doubles when you can get them in. George Gervin. 
final answer. George Gervin is your final answer. So, uh, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who have no idea who the Virginia Squires are, but uh, they are indeed an ABA team. I was thinking that perhaps somebody might have thought they were a minor league baseball team. Uh, you know, just because you played alongside Michael Jordan doesn't mean it had to be basketball. Yeah. Could have been baseball. Could have been Gary DeSarcina, who was yeah. his teammate in Birmingham. Was he really? Uh, huh. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up. Uh, <laughs> not the correct answer. To your uh, pair of uh, selections there, both Artis Gilmore and George Gervin did uh, play alongside Michael Jordan in their final NBA season. So, uh, I did not know that. Yeah, so that makes this a lot yeah, tougher. Uh, Artis Gilmore had uh, had been uh, sent back to Chicago to finish out his career uh, in, I believe, 1987, 88 oh, that year. Years later than I thought. Okay. Uh, yeah. Played in the ABA. Uh, Artis Gilmore, of course, played for the Kentucky Colonels. Oh, George Gervin is the one who played for the Virginia Squires. <sighs> Played in that famous uh, playoff series, uh, Jordan uh, pretty much by himself against the Boston Celtics. That was the year that Michael Jordan got hurt, uh, missed uh, most of the season, but came back in time for those playoffs. And uh, so there was a very, very minimal uh, crossover there wow. uh, into postseason before he retired. George Gervin is the correct answer. Well done. I'm thankful. Uh- <laughs> Uh, man, I can't believe I almost knew a little too much about the ABA, and that got me in trouble. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Artist Gilmore, definitely a Chicago ball. So, uh, like I said, it uh, it was a potential answer. You just had to know his uh, ABA history there, I suppose. Honestly, been assuming all game that the sports G would be George Gervin. I'm happy it was, but there was a long detour there, too. <laughs> I believe Artist played a good chunk of his career with the Spurs alongside Gervin as well. So, uh <laughs> Mash up three, five, or seven. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll stick to the original strategy for now. Let's go with seven. Seven points for mashup. Good luck. And here is your mashup question. This New York Jets quarterback, played on screen by Sam Jones, was known for saving the universe, as well as designing incredibly popular shirts that spawned a horrific knockoff version in 1984. That is a lot of clue. <laughs> Why, yes. Yes, it is. Well, the only Sam Jones I can think of is the old Boston Celtic. I don't know if that helps me or not. I'm going to work on the New York Jets quarterback, which may help me out one way or another. Certainly Broadway Joe Namath, Ken O'Brien, QB is Sam Darnold. Saving the universe. Oh, man. <laughs> If you couldn't tell, I'm having trouble figuring out which hints go to which part of the mashup. Uh, that's uh, part of the uh, trick of the yeah. mashup, isn't it? <laughs> I imagine that's a feature and not a bug. That's making this more difficult than I thought it would be when I heard the first clue. I know a lot of New York Jets quarterbacks. Uh, I know fewer people who design shirts with knockoffs. Their 1984 horror clue there, is that... Gremlins. I think that was a 1984 movie. Starts with G. Um, Saving the universe. That is throwing me off. And so is Sam Jones. Is that maybe a voice actor? Or is it just perhaps a movie from early 80s? 
Sometimes it's like watching an episode of Survivor when they have the puzzle there and they're staring at it. And you just know they're never going to finish it. They might as well just go to tribal council. I'm trying to think of options. I can at least play off the New York Jets quarterback. Uh, I'm happy you got your Survivor reference in, by the way. You just need a lost one now and uh, the episode can go to the publication. So New York Jets quarterback, I'll at least talk through a little bit more of what I'm potentially thinking. Um, because it's mashup, I'm trying to go with what could potentially be mashed up into a G phrase, because the only Jets quarterback I'm thinking of with a G name is Geno Smith, and I'm not getting anything out of that. Um, well, neither did the Jets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so you could go with our current QB and do Sam Darnold and old G something. I'm not getting out of that. There's a lot you could turn Vinny Testaverde into. Seemingly less you could turn Mark Sanchez into, although the Jets found that out too. Uh, <laughs> Insert butt fumble here. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Saving the universe and the popular shirts. So maybe the quarterback designed the shirts, which would make me think Joe Namath. And I mean, he was certainly a Jets quarterback. And I don't know. Well, I wish I could get half a point for getting half of this right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe this is a wrestler named Gorgeous Joe Namath. Gorgeous Joe would be the wrestler's name. Joe Namath was the football player. Yes, yes. Uh, That's what I'll go with. I've got nothing else. Yeah, you, uh, you know, uh, just listening to you try and get this question right, I I feel like I was watching The Amazing Race, and I'm Phil Kagan, and I have to go out and get you (laughs) at the airport (laughs) and say, yeah, you're you're not going to finish this round. (laughs) This leg is over. (laughs) I'm sorry to say you've been eliminated from the race. <laughs> I got detoured, okay? Yeah, uh, Old G something. I, I, th- I think that's every member of the Wu-Tang was started out with their nickname as Old G something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, barking up the wrong tree, understatement here. There was this movie that had, like, Queen did all the music for. So, he made Rhapsody? It, well, no, yeah, there was yeah. that, but uh, before that, uh, you know, back when Queen was still all alive. Um, wow. <laughs> Yeah, there was this movie. Uh, Sam Jones played uh, an Earthling who was uh, kidnapped by aliens, and he was forced to save the universe. Uh, he huh. was, of course, uh, a New York Jets quarterback in this film. <laughs> this sounds like a wild movie. By the name of Flash Gordon. Oh, okay. Flash Gordon was the Jets quarterback. Wow. In, All right. At, at um, least according to this version of the film. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't uh, aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then in 1984, there's this little show that uh, you might have heard of called The Cosby Show. And uh, uh, in one of the most famous episodes, uh, Theo wants the incredibly popular designer shirt, but it costs uh, $90. And, uh, you know, well, Mr. Huxable was not having that cut into his roofies fund, I suppose. But uh, his daughter, uh, played by Lisa Bonet, uh, Denise decided that she, she, don't worry, she can sell him a, a, a perfect copy for half the price. The results were, were comical, and uh, everybody now knows, uh, of course, this, this designer, uh, who's actually just the name of a guy who worked for the show and later became a writer for the show, but uh, we were looking for Flash Gordon Gartrell. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I never would have come up with that. To say no, that but line. do a quick Google search on Gordon Gartrell, and you will see the shirt pop yeah. up immediately. <laughs> it is that famous of a, uh, you know, 80s pop culture reference. Shut up. You got the TV question right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have never seen that episode of The Cosby Show, and I was not aware of the Flash Gordon New York Jets connection. Boston Red Sox, maybe. Uh, New York Jets, not so much. 
let us quickly put this in our pass. Who done it is up next. Uh, I believe you uh, have said you would like to use five on this. Is that still the case? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm saving three for science. Five points. Who done it? Good luck. Here is your question. With a name that translates to Wave of the Riverbanks, this one-time Army combat instructor and law student turned to Hollywood in 2009 to pursue an acting career. Who done it? The name that means Wave of the Riverbanks makes me think Pacific Islands somewhere, definitely some sort of coastal region. Wave of the Riverbanks seems in that area. Well, coming up with a reasonable answer for this with a G in it, not the easiest thing. Um, I know Adam Driver used to serve in the Army. Uh, he does not have a name that starts with G. Uh, I know. Keanu Reeves' name translates to something that has to do with water. Uh, his name does not start with G also. This is probably one of those questions where as soon as I hear the answer, I'll go like, oh, yep, that makes sense. Wave of the riverbanks. That's has to be somebody who comes from a region with a lot of water. Um, who would have come into acting that recently in Hollywood specifically? So I'm assuming this isn't anybody from the UK or Ireland. Possibly somebody from Australia. Right now, it's looking like a last name guess is my best bet. Is there like an aquamarine green or something like that? Um, I figure I would have heard of an actor named aquamarine green. Uh, <laughs> mm. But I know that there is an actor or an actress uh, whose career has been pretty recent and served in the army. I'll say Gal Gatto. Gatto, Gadot. I don't know how you pronounce your last name. Wonder Woman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So your answer is uh, Linda Carter. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you spent all that time waiting for Gatto, huh? Oh, ow. Yeah. Oh, I'm taking five points away just for that. <laughs> I have oh, to make goodness. a self-deprecating joke at some point. I'm taking like <sighs> 10 minutes on each question. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, if I had told you that it translates to wave of the riverbanks in Hebrew, you might have come up with this answer a lot faster. <laughs> now you're regretting not adding that one more hint. No, you? no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was way too obvious. I didn't know what was. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody knows that. Uh, that Wonder Woman was uh, a combat instructor. Uh, didn't say Israel. Didn't uh, you know? Tip it that way. Uh, yeah, we are talking about Wonder Woman herself. Came to Hollywood in order to star in one of them Fast and Furious movies uh, because right. she was trained in uh, uh, Krav Maga and all whatever they teach over there in the Israeli army. A Gal Gadot is the correct answer. Oh, well done, sir. Well, uh, it took me a while to get there, but I'm happy I got there. Indeed, indeed. Which leaves us with one more question. It is the final question of round four. Good luck. It is going to be worth three points. It is science. And it is as follows. Peas were a very important part of the research of what man who used experiments to prove much of the foundation of modern genetic theory? <laughs> well, at least I won't feel bad about not having an answer for this one. Um... No, please take 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this will be pretty short. Um, I'm going to be guessing a last name here. And if I can't come up with somebody in the next 15 seconds or so, uh, then that means I don't have a single clue. And, yep, 15 seconds later, I've got nothing. Let's go with Gibson. Gibson! Uh, surprise, everybody. He went with Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> Again, science. So, uh, you know, certainly uh, 
Goodman talking about William Gibson? No. <laughs> <laughs> Or Henry Gibson, who's going to give you a poem here on the laughing. That's uh, pre-80s reference, so it's allowed. Uh, yes. So, peas, if you uh, remember your genetics from uh, high school science classes, this uh, monk got a whole bunch of peas together and noticed that they were... Uh, had the dominant and recessive traits, and he created these combinatorial charts that uh, you could, you know, capital D, lowercase d, and all that good stuff, and mix them all up into all the score? different common. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it was not, uh, you know, Gary Punnett. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was George Punnett. <laughs> but uh, certainly uh, a man who uh, inspired a lot, who followed him to uh, look and uh, the genetic and uh, all that good stuff. Gregor Mendel. Oh, okay. I've uh, heard the name. Uh, was thinking of G last names and wasn't going to come up with it. Got to mix it up from here and there. Otherwise, you just yeah. <laughs> uh, dumb luck yourself into a couple of guesses on the last names, right? What's wrong with that, AJ? Well, nothing wrong with it at all. Nothing at all. Uh, that answer was wrong. But again, <laughs> for the fourth consecutive round, two out of four uh, for you. Yeah. Uh, 14 points out of possible 24. So again, the wagering, uh, not so shabby on this one. We're going to add that 14 to the 34 you had coming in. You are at an incredibly healthy 48 points as we head into the confidence question. Here's how it's going to work. This is your last chance to try and improve your final score, Tucker. Only one question is before you. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category. and You must, must wager between 1 and 10 points. Get it right. And I will add it to your score. Happily so. But get it wrong. Ooh, 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 ooh. Ooh. Get it wrong. And not only will you lose those precious points, but I am going to force you to write the screenplay to Aquarius Green, <laughs> <laughs> attorney at law, um, <laughs> slash New York Jets quarterback. Yeah. That actually sounds fun. Yeah, well, you could go for it. <laughs> I'm sure Marvel won't sue your ass because Aquarius sounds like Aquaman and Jason Momoa will come beat you up. Uh, sir, as you know, this season, we're doing it a little differently. You're going to have to come up with uh, your own three suggestions. You have provided those to me. I have selected one of uh, those options. So I ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in today's confidence question category? David Fincher. Well, I am pretty confident because these are three categories that I came up with based on what uh, I think I know pretty well. Um, at the same time, I feel like getting into the 50s would be great, uh, but I don't want to dip down into the 30s and have that awful record just hanging over my head forever. Um, I'll do eight points here, so in case it goes wrong, I have 40 at least, and that's a nice round number. It is a nice round number, so eight points it is. Good luck. Here is your confidence question in David Fincher. By the time Fincher was attached to this project, it had already undergone a full recast from what was originally supposed to be a film starring Kyle MacLachlan, Bridget Fonda, and Jodie Foster. What was it? Okay, so we're looking at Fincher's body of work here, at least with his movies. Got a couple that have a G title. Gone Girl, definitely, but that does not fit. Those characters 
probably would have been too old. And that movie was rushed into production after the book's success. So I don't think they had time to hire a cast, hire a director, fire the cast, and then reshoot it with a new one. Um, So that's out. He directed a movie called The Game, which had, in its finished version, had two male leads. One lead, really, and Sean Penn was supporting. Um, I don't see how there would have been much more room for... Which Fonda did you say? Jane? Bridget? Bridget. Bridget. Okay. Okay, so that changes things, too, because Bridget Fonda retired from acting sometime in the late 90s, I want to say. So that provides a bit of a timeline here. Um, Okay, so I don't believe this is Alien 3, um, uh, one of his early works. I suppose at one point it could have been Benjamin Button, but there's no G in that movie. So I'm going to assume that either this is a movie he produced, maybe a music video. Uh, He was famous for doing those at the beginning of his career. I suppose it's possible the game could have undergone several rewrites um, to make Sean, uh, the character that became Sean Penn's character be played by a woman instead of a man, in which either Foster or Fonda would have... Did you say Jodie Foster for the third name? Okay. Um, and she was in Panic Room, but again, no G in Panic Room, no G in Fight Club, and that would be a vastly different movie. So... Yeah, I, I could see the game going rewrites. I don't believe that was a movie where he wrote the screenplay. I think that was an existing one. So after all this thought, I'm going to go with the game, which seems to match up on the actors' timelines. So movies can sometimes uh, get stuck in uh, development hell mm-hmm. and uh, get uh, cast and then canceled and then thrown back and moved around and, and all that good stuff. Uh, that was what happened to this one. Uh, I went and looked at uh, the history of David Fincher uh, on the IMDb to see uh, kind of where I might find uh, a G answer here. Uh, and there are four items on his filmography uh, that uh, involve uh, a correct G answer. One, of course, is the uh, fine music video for uh, Bambalaya by the Gypsy Kings. <laughs> I, I don't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> Bambalaya! Bambalaya! Can't imagine you would have gotten Jodie Foster to do that. No, no. I never <laughs> said it was a film, but uh, I just wanted to point out it was there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the three movies uh, that he has uh, done with G are, of course, uh, as you said, The Game. Uh, you also said Gone Girl. There's also a little thing called the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which uh, also oh. has a G in it. Does it not? Mm-hmm. No, uh, that would also make sense. I, I don't know how old the book was. but Kyle McLaughlin and Bridget Fonda uh, originally uh, wanted to do this film. Uh, they just were busy with other projects by the time they started to... Uh, actually put it into motion and the, even the director who was originally assigned to it uh, was like, I got another project. You need to pass it on to someone else. They pass it on to Fincher. He uh, said, Hey, Jodie Foster, do you want to do this? And she said, absolutely. Uh, I'd love working with you. Uh, unfortunately, contact went long and then they had to take her out of the film as well. And uh, he asked Jeff Bridges, uh, Hey, I got this male role. Would you like to uh, play this uh character and jeff richard said no i want nothing to do with this crap project (laughs) so he called up sean penn 
Uh, and uh, he said, will you play Michael Douglas's brother? And he said, absolutely. We are talking about the game. Eight wow. points for you. Well, well done. Oh, thank you. Uh, you had me worried because I had completely forgotten about the girl with the dragon tattoo, uh, American movie. And um, I, I don't know when the book was published, but it had me worried that it was from the early 90s before Bridget Fonda retired. Yeah, I, I would say the American version, uh, is, I mean, it's a well-made movie. And I think that David Fincher is is one of my favorite directors. And certainly there are certain scenes in it that work very well. But other than the stop motion photography sequence yeah. the uh, the original swedish picture is much better just in terms of structure and everything else but that's not really his fault uh, yeah. it just doesn't translate very well uh to american culture but anyway sir those eight points go to you gives you a total of 56 well done before i uh, send you packing is there anything you'd like to say uh Defend yourself, sir! Yeah. <laughs> so, first of all, I apologize for mocking your taste in television. Uh, secondly, if you want to hear more from me, and I can't imagine why you would, you can listen to my podcast called That Is Okay, or That Was Okay, I guess. I almost got my own podcast's name wrong. Uh, it's about mediocre and forgotten movies from the 90s and 2000s. It's a lot of fun. You can also follow my basketball writing at the theyukonblog.com if you have any interest in UConn basketball. Other than that, I'm on... Twitter and around on certain sections of the internet with trivia and whatnot. So uh, thanks again to AJ for having me on for an episode where I actually performed pretty well, surprisingly. Yeah, I'll be the judge of that. No, <laughs> thank you so much, Tucker. Uh, it's always a pleasure. You are always welcome to the hot seat, uh, at least uh, for a short time. But you've overstayed your welcome. Get out. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, and to all of you listening, thank you so much for doing so. Uh, we'll be back next week with another exciting episode of Beat My Guest. I hope to see you then. Hey, I really do. Until the next time, take care and bye-bye. Did you beat our guest or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMGPod. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson Bill Cosman production.